And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo In this episode, I'm going to do another 47s reading, because I feel the time is appropriate to do so. But first, someone on uh, the YouTube comments pointed out that I have uh, the angle wrong or something, or I'm too low in the frame or something like that. I was always told that to do these kind of vlog things, you should have the camera above you pointing down, which is what I always kind of do, because it gives you a nice shadow under and gives you definition and stuff. I don't know. Um, so I've brought the camera down a bit more. I am up a bit higher and uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't really care too much about these things. Once I don't look terrible, I'm okay. But if I can make it a, a wee bit better, why not do it? So I want to do uh, another reading. And why I want to do it now is because um, the lockdown here in Ireland was until after this bank holiday. But it seems likely this is recorded on the Friday on Valsburgersnacht. Uh, or the Thursday, excuse me, before the, going into the bank holiday weekend. But it seems very likely that it's going to be extended. So my kind of hopefulness that it would start to wind down, I didn't think it was all going to end very quick, but I thought that there might be some sort of leniency or some sort of lessening of the restrictions. And while that is happening in Europe, Poland is opening up schools and pubs and restaurants and Spain is allowing you to get your hair cut again and, you know, th th things are opening up. In Ireland... They're just not having any of that at all and say it's far too early to open up anything. I can definitely feel that in the air that people are going to um, not uh, adhere to this lockdown, this stage of the lockdown as much as they have on you know, previous ones, given that they're already not doing it. She's like, there's um, plenty of evidence about people just not caring anymore about the thing. And I can, from one point, obviously, I think we should do a bit, all that. From another point, I do see that like people need you know, contact and the need social interaction and the need people and the need touch. And we know all of these things from, you know, psychological point of view and uh, that we have to be aware that while it's important to reduce everyone's kind of exposure to this virus, um, we also have to take into consideration people's mental health and all of these things. So I'm glad I'm not making a decision around this or whatever. I'm certainly not qualified to it, to do it. Um, and I'm leaving it to the people who are qualified and are much more expert in the hope that they know what they're on about and know what they're doing, which, you know, they may or may not. But anyway, we'll get into the reading because what we can do is get a bit of advice from uh, the eaters or from the 40 servants on uh, what we should do. I'm mostly going to do this um, as a reading from me, what I should do, because that's kind of the best approach, I think, for it. Because I don't want to be telling anyone else what to do or giving advice in anyone's life situation because it is so disparate and so different and everyone is having a very different experience and what's happening in America is different from what's happening in Sweden, which is what's different from happening in Spain, what's different from happening in Australia. So this is just going to be a reading about what is relevant to me and what I should be aware of and what I should be doing and thinking about and understanding. But uh, it may be relevant to other people too. But take it all with a grain of salt and just take it as advice from a friend, but not as the word of God. Okay. So, the librarian. So, this would suggest then that this is, um, I could use this time to get more into a kind of understanding things or a, a, a getting knowledge together. And for me, one of the things that I've been putting off around the comic, what I'm doing, is this kind of idea of I wanted to set up um, the whole landscape, in a sense, or the town that this is set up in within Unreal Engine. So I have to learn Unreal Engine. 
and it's not that hard for what I want to do. I'm not really getting into the game kind of elements. Unreal Engine is a game engine, how to make games, 3D games and stuff like that. But you can just use it for like architecture as well, which some people have do quite well. Inyo Asano uses it for his references, for his comic, Dead Dead Demons, da 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 Destruction. So that would say the librarian is a call to me to actually do that and focus on that and get the acquisition of the knowledge that is needed for the next kind of thing and use this time for learning. Because I can't really, although it could be, it's saying like that, because <clears throat> what I'm saying is I don't really think it would be a call to just to do more reading or to more general kind of knowledge um, acquisition, because that is something I do normally anyway. But maybe it's just like continue in doing this, continue in learning. But uh, the first thing that came to me was the Unreal Engine thing, because it is something I've been kind of avoiding, and I'm not sure why I'm kind of, kind of avoiding it. Because it's something I, I think it would be fun as well. But anyway, so the librarian, it might make more sense as the more cards that come up. Card two, the gatekeeper. Okay. So the gatekeeper is getting into places that you normally aren't have access to. Or, uh, you know, like opening of the gates or allowing you into places, new areas, new opportunities. Kind of like a road opening in a sense. But it's more, I think, hidden things. You know, things that you're kind of possibly more aware of. At least in this situation, that it's allowing you access to things that you're more aware of already. It's getting you into the door that you know is already there. Whereas a road opener is more getting you to a door that you didn't know was there. You know, a, a new opportunity that's completely, um, in a sense out of your normal wheelhouse. <clears throat> so the gatekeeper in this seems that there's an access to something that I wouldn't normally have access to or I haven't previously been access, able to access and that that door is now open. So that's interesting to me. So if you're taking that, that would be the door opens from sort of acquisition of knowledge. So we have the librarian going into the gatekeeper. So this kind of movement from new knowledge opens some sort of new avenue or some sort of unlock something will unlock something within that I need or want to be unlocked. So number three, the opposer. So this would suggest that by unlocking this, there's going to be some sort of challenge or some sort of test or some sort of pushback for having done that. And uh, I think I know what this is, is referring to. At the minute, I'm reading a book called Pronoia. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's Paranoia to change the pro. So Pronoia, yeah. Um, that was sent to me by the wonderful Christopher Moore. And I'm really finding that it's changing an awful lot of how I approach things. And one of the things that have become really obvious is, and I've talked about this before, is that any kind of assertiveness of positiveness is immediately opposed, particularly online. And, uh, and not, but not necessarily like in normal day-to-day -day situa situations, just I have less of them there. So it's that most of my kind of interaction with the world is online. But there's this insistence of that um, being positive is naive or that it's uh, somehow false. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad way to look at the world because that's not really how the world is. And, you know, that cynicism is a kind of collated with intelligence and kind of feeling that the world is shit and people are shit is seen as a realistic view. And uh, so, hmm, the librarian, maybe not about the, the, um, the Unreal Engine, although I do need to do that. The librarian would suggest that reading this book is going to open up the gate, open up the uh, thing to a new kind of thing 
but be aware that that's going to lead to opposition and not necessarily in that like people are going to come and beat me up or you know give out to me or whatever it's just that um if you tend to try and want to change like in a, in a reality transurfing point of view if you want to try to leave the influence of a pel pendulum a lot of your relationships and a lot of the, your interactions and stuff like that are going to be affected and are going to want you to not change because the dynamic of the relationship wants to remain in stasis and in reality transurfing there is this kind of idea of balancing forces that when something changes there is a sense that nature or the universe or society or people try to balance it to keep everything in the same way and so this kind of outlier thing or a person who tries to remove himself from something um, is is opposed so I think that's kind of what it's relying on. It's just to be aware. I don't think it's like some sort of new opposition is going to come in or there's going to be some sort of new uh, huge challenge or something bad or any of that kind of thing. It's just that to be aware of that. The thing that I'm reading, the thing that I'm working on, which is this cultivation of a more positive attitude and a happier existence. Um, given, you know, it's not that it's like kind of um, saying that, um, oh, just look and the world is now brilliant. It's given that the world isn't brilliant, isn't perfect, isn't necessarily how I want it to be, isn't always going my way, but still, rather than falling apart or feeling negative towards, which is my default kind of setting, or feeling defeated or feeling hard done by or feeling any of these type of things, feeling doom and gloom, feeling that, you know, people are shit, I am shit, life is shit, we're going, everything's falling apart, the apocalypse is coming. While evaluating and seeing that and being aware of all of these things, choosing to be positive, grateful and appreciative anyway. By doing that, given that I have a book, manual, Pronoia, Rob Bresney wrote it, um, that will unlock a key to something important. Something that I was aware of or something that I'm trying to access, something that I'm trying to do, which I assume is a happy life or an increase in my magical outlook, an increase in my creativity an increase in those things that I think I haven't full access to. But by doing that, then there will be an opposition and I'm already aware of the opposition, but there might be different oppositions that I'm not fully aware of. And just to be understand that opening new doors um, and trying to remove yourself from certain pendulums or trying to remove certain influences will cause an opposition in some way. But I think overall it'll probably be worth it. I could probably do another card to see the outcome but I prefer not to know because um, it's the journey. It's the journey, man. It's the journey what it's all about. So if we were to take that for a more general reading and not just for me to make it a bit more useful to you good people who are watching it, I would say just look at, at um, what you're learning, what you're interacting, what you're doing, what's around you that you can, you know, what sort of knowledge and what thing can you learn from this situation that will and hopefully open a door, open a key, open some sort of switch in your brain to allow you a new insight or something new into your life um, and be aware that just because doing something new um, will necessitate, op necessitate opposition or some sort of pushback from the world, it's still worth doing. And in a way, once you see the opposition, know that you're on the right way, you're, you know, you're on the right road, the right, you're doing the right thing because that's the signal that you're leaving your old thoughts behind you, your old ways of doing things, your old kind of habits and default settings, and you're engaging with the new because there is that bit of a pushback. So yeah, that's kind of, I think that's good. That's good advice for me. Um, I'm going to take it on board and uh, 
and walk into the future happier. Not an awful lot, I suppose, around the, the general kind of pandemic lockdown thing. But as I said, I was more kind of a personal reading on this. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I found the first two readings I did extremely helpful. And the, the last one in particular allowed me to keep focus in what I was doing. No, even though there was this sense of depletion going on, as we talked about in the other video. And I suppose it has to be kind of bear, bear in mind that the lockdown was always going to go on an awful lot longer than was ever going to be fun, no matter who you are. Because it's kind of like that thing, uh, you know, when you're waiting on a, a plane and it's constantly being delayed and you're kind of okay in good spirits for a while and get used to it. And then it's delayed and you go, oh, this is terrible. Then it's delayed one more time. You go, right, okay, the, you know, I can take it. I can take them all. And then it gets delayed one more time. And then it's as if you have to get to the point where it's no more fun, where you're completely depleted where your kind of sense of self or sense of a, um, of joy or fun or whatever is completely taken away. So probably there was a bit of an element of of a warning towards that in the last reading too. But given that it came with the balancer and the healer means that it's not, it wasn't all a bad thing. It's just that there was a, you know, a depletion and to be aware of burnout. And I did kind of, I definitely did feel it and I did work on it. And the first one, which was to elevate yourself above the noise and trust yourself also held me in good stead. So I think these readings are uh, um, good for me. <laughs> Whether you agree or not is totally up to you, but I'm finding them very helpful. So I'd be interested to hear what kind of readings you're doing, if you are doing any kind of readings, or what you're just your kind of sense of what's where we are now and what you're going to uh, look forward to or what you're going to do going into the next couple of weeks. So good people of the internet. Um, not sure how helpful this one is, but it's helpful for me. And I appreciate you hanging around, uh, allowing me to do these readings and hopefully they're in some way helpful to you but if not i'll talk to you tomorrow and may our best days be ahead hello good people of the internet it is i tommy kelly and this is adventures in woo i'm not really sure what i'm going to talk about today so i'm going to do one of those things where i talk and i see what i say a bit hungover, I have to be honest. I was uh, drinking last night and uh, it's not used to being hungover. <laughs> it's rare that it happens these days. But I was up late, late-ish, um, on doing one of those kind of Skype parties with a friend of mine, Enda, who you might know from a couple of the videos. One of the um, vlogs is from us doing photography up in Dublin. Mm, a year and a half ago or something like that, maybe longer actually. Um, but it was good fun and I enjoyed it and I have another one to go to tonight. I'm doing one with Spud and his wife, my wife. The problem I think was that I got up early. <laughs> I had to, I was, uh, I got up with the, the, wee, the wee man early on in the morning at about half seven, quarter past seven. So it was just a lack of sleep. But it's interesting because I did say that uh, the problem with my eyes that I was having over the last week or two weeks, whatever it is, felt very much like I was hang hungover. And today being hungover, <laughs> my eyes do feel exactly like they had felt. So I assume it's some sort of strain or some sort of, um, I don't know, tiredness or something from just being in front of screens the whole time. And the glasses I have, I like them and all that, but they're too small for me and I need to get the right size. But then I'm thinking, is there any point in getting the right size of them, spending money on them when, you know, if I could just get my eyes tested, uh, you know, I would know what the problem was. So I'm definitely gonna try and work on getting my eyes tested this week if that's possible. But a lot of the places just aren't doing it. Because it's so, you know, the, the actual eye test, you're very close to the person, to the uh, optician, opt opt optician, there's another word for that too, isn't there? Um, this morning I did an interview with Lua Valencia, uh, it was lovely, she was, she's a new channel, uh, English one, 
an English channel where she's just going to interview people and have chats and do uh, some of her videos and stuff in English as opposed to the Portuguese ones because uh, I assume she, she realises that there's a bit of a market for that for people who want to hear what she has to say but when they go to YouTube it's all in Portuguese and uh, you know we're not that well educated on foreign languages in most of the English speaking countries. Um, but that was lovely and we just talked about art and about hyper sigils and about creativity and marketing and how things have become free and you know of less value and uh, how you know you be stay being an artist within all that so that was good fun the comic is coming along kind of uh, still in the background or whatever it's been hard with my eyes to draw because i just the kind of enthusiasm to get to the drawing is um kind of Negated, I suppose I overuse that word. I know, but it, it kind of it's drowned out by the, um, you know, the, the the eye being aware of my eyes and stuff like that. And even though the last couple of days it wasn't too bad, I did get some drawing in. But uh, the whole story's worked out. The whole hyper sigil's worked out. The whole um, all the characters are there. Everything is there. Um, so I'm just going to spend a bit of time finishing up on the pre-production, which is I'm going to learn how to use Unreal Engine. Not, it's not much learning in it and build a few things, a few of the sets, so I have reference for it. And then hopefully then um, be able to start on it properly. Um, although I still have to be very kind of uh, aware of that last 47 read, not the very last one, the one previous where it says just be aware of burnt out. And right at this very minute, I feel very burnt out and very kind of um, tired. That's, you know, that's because I drank alcohol and I didn't look after my body and stuff. But overall, I just have to be kind of careful. A couple of bits of the workload has lessened in a sense today because I was doing that 40 days of the 47ths when the lockdown started. And that's putting up posts in a number of um, social medias in the different areas. But it was also I was using that time each day to update the Adventures and Woo Woo pages, the listings of the different servants and all the links. And that takes a bit of time. And it's like overall, like that whole kind of section of my social media is about an hour in the morning. And then there's about, it can be up to about another hour of emails and answering um, YouTube comments and stuff like that. So now I'm going to try and streamline that a bit and get maybe or even think of doing that later in the day uh, rather than doing it as the first thing in the morning, that kind of sort of admin stuff. And then trying to get well, I'm more fresh and more in the, the mode to you know get straight to the drawing or straight to you know them type of things rather than the kind of admin stuff because by the time you've all the adminning done you're you know you're kind of tired or it's lunchtime and you just you know you have to reinvigorate yourself for the second half of the day and all that so that might be the issue i remember when i was doing road crew the, the daily web comic i did all those years ago in the morning i did the comic and then in the afternoon i did whatever admin i had to do which wasn't most, much in those days but uh, and then tried to do you know work <laughs> that I could uh, you know, actually keep going and uh, you know, survive as a person. I've noticed that my, I have eye drops on, it's just kind of a spray for my eyes and it's coming down. So it may look like I'm crying yet again in one of the videos, but I'm not. Even though on the inside, <laughs> I feel distraught. It's so strange what alcohol does, isn't it? It's like it's de definitely the kind of that um, balancing force of the, you know, uh, you have the high and you have to have the low or whatever. But I used to, like, I always felt really guilty from in hangovers and that was part of one of the real kind of kickers with it. It got me very down and depressed and I felt like I'd done something wrong and all that kind of stuff that you get with a drink. I don't really get that now. I just get the physical kind of sense of it, which, you know, you just have to get on with. So anyway, it's going to be a short one today. Not much going on, but I said I'd do a video every day. So there you go. Here's a video. Um, so what's going on in your life? What are you doing? How are you finding the lockdown? 
we're about to go into it at least another three weeks, I assume. Our uh, main man in the government is going to do a speech tonight and tell us all to be good boys and girls and stay at home. It'll be interesting to see if we do or not because um, people are really getting very, very uh, cabin fevered and uh, you know not really following the rules as much as they were, particularly at the weekend, particularly when the sun's out. So that's kind of what's going on with me uh, at the minute. Um, hopefully tomorrow I will have more energy and we'll all be back on track. So enjoy whatever you're up to yourself today and may you have a wonderful day and may our best days be ahead. good people of the internet it is i tommy kelly and this is adventures in woo woo this episode i'm going to do another one of those things where you read from a book this book is the urn by alan chapman and duncan barford in particular the piece i'm going to uh, read from is from alan chapman i've read from alan chapman before when i did advanced magic for beginners a couple of weeks ago this is about the holy guardian angel and invoking it it was something that we talked about recently on one of the tommy and spud talk about podcasts when we watched the dark song um, and it also came up in reality transurfing as well when we're going through that. And Spud has a complete aversion to guardian angels or uh, anything with wings. <laughs> and I was trying to tell him that actually, if you go by the, the strict descriptions in the Bible of uh, angels, they're terrifying and uh, monstrous beasts. But anyway, there's this whole idea of invoking the your holy guardian angel, which is either the kind of you know, stereotypical guardian angel, that thing that's looking after you, some external being, or it's you as a finished process, you as a higher, you know, when you've gone through all of your tests or you've learned all your lessons or you've perfected yourself, you've, you know, you've evolved to the level of master or whatever, that's, that is what your holy guardian angel is, conversing with you now. And then there's a kind of a thing where it's a mixture where it's that, but also there's an external thing it is, uh, to it as well. There's kind of a load of different notions around holy guardian angel and it comes as a different name in many different things in many different circles or books and ideas and you know all of that but there's always some sort of notion of a guardian spirit or a helper spirit in nearly all um, kind of i suppose trains of thought in, in the occult you come across anyway we'll go into this because i find that alan has a very a very unique approach to it and i, I kind of like his uh his approach. Not sure it would still be his approach or whether he'd even think in these in the kind of these type uh, this type of terms anymore, but nevertheless. The Holy Guardian Angel for Dummies. Getting enlightened the magical way, known as the Great Work, is incredibly simple and straightforward. Crowley wrote it thus Invoke often. This appears lost in most magicians, probably because the idea of two words accounting for the whole tradition simply does not provide enough of a distraction and so an excuse from following the instruction itself. Of course, invoke often can be misunderstood. Invoke what and how often is often? So we can elaborate. Invoke the holy guardian angel every day. It would seem as if we have nothing else left to say, and yet most magicians will still struggle with this. 99.9% .9 of all the magicians I have met who have invoked the holy guardian angel stop invoking when they either one, begin to enjoy some novel results such as strange dreams and synchronicities and they think they've reached the goal. Two, find a novelty has worn off after a week or two and switch paradigms. Three, decide to work with other spiritual beings that they think seem similar to the angel but are not the angel itself, probably due to a low attention span. Four, Experience union with the angel and think they have reached the goal. 5. 
achieve union with the angel, but upon finding the practice becoming difficult and disappointing, the world full of sorrow and themselves full of fear, disgust and hate, lose the will to continue, becoming a chronic dark nighter, as in dark night of the soul. Shit themselves with some mystical results and refuse to proceed any further, or turn away from the invoking the angel to actively reinforce the ego, which is essentially becoming a black brother, which is, uh, it's talked about a lot in the, in the book, but you can kind of, uh, you can guess what it's alluding to. Usually, all of the above are accompanied by the boast, I have attained the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel, and have no need for any more of such a paradigm. Sad thing is, what is described above are but the first few steps in what should be a lifelong journey. And we are still a long way from even a sniff of enlightenment. However, should the magician persist in invoking the angel every day, eventually that dark night, described under point five, will end. The world will become luminous and divine, and the first genuine taste of the com completing the great work will occur. Something called a satori, fruition, kensho, emptiness or gnosis in the original genuine sense of the world. Not pointing out, I suppose not pointing out the, the chaos magic point of the world. But again, if the magician gives up here, thinking that they have reached the goal, they still may never accomplish the great work. So let's elaborate on the injunction further. Invoke the holy guardian angel every day for the rest of your life. Must it really be the rest of our lives? Surely we can stop when we've completed the great work. Perhaps. But just how long do we imagine that will take? How much experience is required before we can accurately judge our progress, identify states and stages and see through our own egotistical delusions? If we can't manage a few months of invoking the angel without falling prey to our own wishful thinking, arrogance and prejudice, what hope do we have for five to 20 years it may take to get enlightened? So the question now is, who really has the balls to follow this instruction and attempt the great work? Alan, as always, getting straight to the point. Um, they're really, really great books, The uh, Blood of the Saints, The Urn and The Desert of Roses. They're up on archive.com as PDFs. I asked Alan if I could upload them a few years ago and he said yes. But you can't buy them as physical books anymore unless you want to pay thousands and thousands of pounds on Amazon for the copies that are up there. But certainly worth your time if you're in any kind of a magical path that involves like meditation and it's, ascension is the wrong word, but that kind of thing that is pointed out as saying like, you know, you're trying to move towards enlightenment or doing the great work and all of these things. But there's um, any number of other places you can go to find about uh, the Holy Guardian Angel. Crowley talks an awful lot about it. It's, in, you know, it's in, uh, as it's part of it is that film, The Dark Song, that we were talking about on the podcast. Although, you know, the actual uh, ritual in The Dark Song is not the, the actual Abram Allen ritual, which the thing, you know, which they say it is, it's, which is the year and a half long ritual to find the knowledge and co conversation of your Holy Guardian Angel. Uh, so, hope that helped. I just thought it'd be interesting to have a little kind of uh, instruction from, uh, from the great master, Alan Chapman. So, good people, until our next adventure, may you persevere with your magical work, staying steadfast in the work every single day for the rest of your life, until maybe someday you have attained the goal that is the finality of the great work. Be well, and may our best days be ahead. And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Wubu. 
In this episode, I want to talk a bit about positivity yet again, but just at it from a different angle. First of all, I think I have sorted out, well, I may have sorted out, I will know after this video, what is the problem with my framing, where my head always seems an awful lot lower than it should be. And what I think I've worked out is that my, sorry for the technical camera uh, talk for people who don't care, my um, DSLR has only got something like 90% coverage of the sensor, which means that um, the few window here um, is only showing 90% of what actually the sensor is getting, which means there's a 10% above my head that probably is in frame. So when I have it framed up somewhat nicely on my screen here, there's a, you know, an extra 10% going above. So what I have on my screen here is my messy morning, Sunday morning hair that just doesn't want to behave. It's just hitting the top of the screen. So I suppose when I go and look at this video later and it's not, or is, then that might solve the problem. So that's my latest kind of thing that I think is going on. We'll see, look at the state of my hair. Anyway, what I want to talk about today is the whole notion of positivity in relation to some things I've given out, to, uh, given out about before uh, with regard to positivity in new age and this kind of forced positivity type thing. But first I want to show you these, which isn't really going to work too well, but uh, my wife bought me these. These are a new pair of uh, sunglasses. But what you won't know from the um, black and white is that they're actually rose tinted. So I'm deliberately <laughs> going to be wearing rose tinted glasses as part of my uh, choice to view the world positively. Incidentally, with regard to my eyes, now that I've, I just have a thing, what I noticed on my computer this morning is that the font display on my Windows computer was terrible. And I was kind of looking at thinking my eyes were going really bad or suffering whatever and then when I messed around with the settings it all came back in clear I was like oh maybe I've been wrecking my eyes with these terrible window settings you know that clear type stuff that's on it and um, because what I noticed that even if I bumped it up to like 180% the font it was still doing this weird kind of uh, blurry sharpy thing to it so it didn't seem that it was just that it was the font was so small but hopefully I'll see Um, I'll leave it at those settings again hoping fingers crossed I would be able to get my eyes tested this week. Some other businesses in town here have been opening up. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, positivity. The thing about when I'm talking about positivity now and seeing the world from, a, you know, making a choice for it to be have a positive reaction to it, it's kind of, it's different. Well, I hope it's different. The idea is different than what is kind of usually purported or kind of driven in the whole kind of new age thing, which is this kind of positivity, but it's almost like it's a blind positivity. It's deliberately seeing the world as positive even when it's not. It's this kind of forced positivity. And you see that an awful lot in love attraction with, you know, where I'm happy, I'm happy, and deep down, you know, I'm terribly unhappy. It's not a kind of forced, it's not lying about the world. That's the, the kind of thing that I found in an awful lot of love attraction, new age, even Abraham Hicks, all of that kind of stuff. Even then Stuart Wilde and the miracles, his book and his kind of approach of is an awful lot about, in a sense, lying to yourself and trying to fool yourself. And there is something in that that can work, you know, that whole fake it before you make it. But I think that kind of affirmations and mantra and this kind of forced positivity in face of negativity isn't helpful an awful lot of the time. And it can kind of make you feel bad. And it can lead to things as well, like um, the victim blaming stuff that we've talked about before many times here, where if something doesn't work out for you, it's your fault for thinking the wrong thing, for not being positive enough, for not being open, and opening, open enough, and all of those things. So what am I talking about when I'm saying making a choice to be positive? 
it's not to ignore the terrible things in life. It's not to ignore the hardships. It's not to pretend that life is this Garden of Eden, perfect, uh, you know, everything is right world where there's no, you know, there's no shitty people, there's no terrible kind of tragedies, where there's no trauma in the greater world and in your life, you know, that you're not pretending that everything is brilliant. You're not looking at the world and go, oh, this is so wonderful. Look at everything being perfect. What I'm talking about is looking at the world and your life with its imperfections, but being grateful and appreciative of it anyway. And that's the kind of choice that I'm, why I'm trying to cultivate in myself about this positivity and having a more positive outlook on it. It's not in the pretending that my life is somehow amazing all of a sudden. It's not kind of forcing myself to ignore all the bad things and hope that they go away. It's looking at all the bad things. It's looking at all the good things and seeing it uh, in a more balanced view. Which that thing I talked about in the video a couple of days ago where I was saying that um, one of my kind of straws that always broke my back where that would would be the final snap would be this kind of idea where things uh, milk would spill if I was making coffee and it happened a lot and it was obviously just been as I said just possibly just being clumsy and being in a bad form and forcing things but to kind of look at that and go well there's a thousand good things that have to happen for me to spill the milk it's like there's a thousand good things that need to happen for me to have a bad day the electricity needs to work the, um, you know, the person in the who makes the electricity, the factory, all of that has to work at the factory. It's, a fac it's electricity made in the factory, the plant. Uh, you know, all the things that have to happen right and go in place and work out perfectly for that to, uh, factory to exist, plant, uh, for it to come to my house and all that, you know, to, to make this coffee, the refrigerator, all of the kind of greatness that went into it, inventing that, having it going, you know, it's working for, you know, to, for take out the milk that I'm going to proceed to spill. Not to labour that point, but it's just, it's not about going, oh, the milk didn't spill. You know, life is perfect. Milk never spills. It's about when the milk spills, still trying to see, if, like in a reality transurfing point of view, what's the advantage? What's the good thing here in sometimes a terrible thing? What is the kind of little hope that I can focus on? And it's the bit in them, my graphic novel, that is the thing that saves the main character, Roman, in the end spoilers but this whole idea of it going through and it's getting worse and worse and worse from him and he's always constantly focusing focusing on the you know the negative affirmations that he's repeating to himself about how the world is about about how he is about what people have told him about the world and so this is absolutely coloring his life to the point that he is totally and utterly surrounded by these negative zombie-like apparitions that he has created from repeating over and over, over uh, to himself shitty things. And then there's this kind of moment where he realises, uh, through the hypersigenous, through the magic, through this kind of, through the idea from the 47s, that there's a different thing you can focus on. And by focusing on the different thing, the more positive thing, the thing that is the advantage in the situation, you can, you can see a path out of the negative. Now, it doesn't necessarily change the situation, though in Roman's case, it does over a period of time because he starts focusing on the good things. And I even know myself that by focusing on the positive stuff or whatever, it changes me and it allows me to have more kind of moments of gratitude and appreciation. And, you know, you see more things to be happy about or whatever. And I mean, it is the old trick. And I mean, we all know that if you could make yourself happy in the situation you find yourself in, then you're a master of the universe. 
but it's just we don't want that. We want, we want is that external factors to change so we can be happy. We want this thing so we can be happy. We want stuff out there to change so we can be happy, rather than being happy in the middle of whatever is going on. So I just thought it was uh, important to kind of, um, oh, my brain again, that, that word, to kind of bring home that point of, uh, to make that a bit more clear. What I mean about that is by not in a kind of forced positivity of pretending that things aren't, or that things are wonderful all the time. It's not that kind of, the whole thing that was going around YouTube at one point where everyone had to be really positive about everything and secretly their lives are falling apart. My main goal in life uh, is to be as honest as possible. Honest as possible in my podcast, honest as possible in my art, honest as possible in my dealings. And that has to extend to being as honest as possible with myself. So I don't want to lie to myself in order to try and kind of new agey, wishy-washy, pretend that the world is a wonderful place. Because it's clearly not in many ways, but it clearly is in many ways. And that's the kind of thing that you miss when you, you, you equal cynicism with um, kind of intelligence or um, debunking with intelligence or scepticism with intelligence. There's kind of a, a dark road that you can end up going down where, you know, being kind of disillusioned is seen as a good thing and the right thing and a realistic thing and you know no I'm not pessimistic I'm optimistic I'm uh, you know I'm I'm a realist I'm a realist that the world is a terrible place but it's not it's wonderful in many many ways so the positivity I'm kind of promoting and, and trying to cultivate myself is looking at the darkness of the world but being grateful for it anyway rather than descending and giving into the darkness and allowing it to take over uh, as it does the character in the graph novel Them, that it just surrounds them and engulfs them until it nearly suffocates them, which is where I certainly was with my negative thinking and my lack of appreciation and my lack of gratefulness. So if that sounds like something that you would be into, I do, I, like, I mean, it is proper hard work to do, but it's very rewarding and it does, has massively changed my appreciation of the world. Um, so it's me as the magician, as the artist, changing myself which then reflects out in the world and changes the world so good people of the internet i hope i have cleared that up rather than making it uh, kind of worse but this is uh, the nature of these things so good people of the internet until our next adventure be well and may you see always the advantage even in the darkest situation and may you have less dark situations and may we grow and develop into you know happy people and a happy more happy society more well balanced May our futures be bright and may our best days be ahead. And hello good people of the internet, it is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. In this episode, I want to talk a bit about the whole notion of fire and forget, or that kind of idea that you have to immediately forget and, or not think about the magic you have just done something for, like a sigil or a ritual or whatever it is. But first of all, I want to address something that I did yes, said yesterday, which is the framing of me in uh, these videos. I had suspected that my kind of 90% coverage of my sense would mean, blah, 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 tech talk, that uh, if I left left room at the top on the preview screen, then it would kind of balance out, which didn't really work yesterday. But what I think the problem is that when I press record, these kind of, um, you know, like bars drop in on the preview screen. But I don't think that's a representation of what the actual video comes out. So I'm trying something new today and hopefully it'll work out. 
it's extremely warm here today so I am definitely going to be sweating in this video because it's noisy outside there's people outside people doing things and um, I have to close the windows but even if the windows were open I'd still probably sweating because it is quite warm anyway that's the daily update on the weather <laughs> in this video what I want to just talk about this whole notion of trying to forget the magic that you've just done and they're just kind of it's lust for result is one name it's called but it's called many different things but it's like do a sigil and then forget what the sigil is for and never think about it again now, I have a couple of issues with that one it doesn't really work for me because it's very hard to forget about something that you want if you want something uh, big enough or bad enough or uh, you know have some sort of necessity for it that it, you're going to do magic for uh, it it's very hard then forget about it. If say you're doing a sigil to get rent paid or mortgage paid or some sort of emergency type magic it's very hard then to forget about it because you still have that looming deadline of the thing that needs to be paid. So I tend to see that kind of fire and forget more in a reality transurfing type of way which is to reduce the importance on it. I think the initial kind of idea came from the whole thing of just try not to obsess about it. Don't be thinking too much about is it manifesting, is it working, is it doing it, so that you kind of, you know, talk yourself out of the whole thing. Which I think is also part of don't talk, you know, to anyone else about it, like that whole keep silent thing. Because you can certainly, you could be all riled up or boosted up and feeling good about your magic, whatever, and then you mention it to someone and they go, uh, do you actually believe that? And, you know, that destroys the whole kind of energy of it. Another thing that just kind of dissipates the energy I have found, particularly in creative work, so I have to assume it's the same with magic, is that when you talk about something, when you explain what it is, say I started talking about the exact story of my comic or, you know, I was talking about a, a song that I'm hoping to write or whatever it is the thing, by saying it kind of out loud, in a sense, it becomes materialized. The energy dissipates because it has got some sort of release or it's got some sort of home not the home you wanted it to be, you wanted it to be a complete kind of, in a sense, a product, a complete thing of a comic, book, song, whatever it is, but now it has become a conversation and that's the outlet it has been and you kind of have to then rebuild up the energy again to get back into it. Not all the time I've found, that's mostly in the early stages of it before you've actually started. So if I started talking about what the story was of my new comic now, I think that would have a negative effect on my ability to actually then go ahead and do it. So I feel the same kind of way about magic. Not, not only can you be having a various reaction from someone kind of, you know, said this is ridiculous or whatever the reaction is and that can knock your energy, but you can also dissipate the energy of the magic because it has become manifest, just not in the way you want it. It has become real. It's come down from idea space into this physical world through a conversation. So my kind of thing is when I'm doing sigils or when I'm doing any kind of magic, it's mostly sigils, that's what I do. Well, actually, my main magic is probably intentional magic where I'll, I'll kind of do, have an intention and then a kind of a visualization. But sigils are, are, you know, hugely incorporated in my kind of, my way of doing things. Um, and I try, I don't get too obsessed about, you know, not knowing what the individual sigil is for or, the, you know, whether I remember or not. So if I have a shoal, a shoal is just doing four or five or six or whatever it is, a number of sigils together that are kind of, in some sense, energetically linked, although they probably don't have to be, right? That's kind of the way I work. With an idea of a robofish in it. This all comes from Gordon White's work, and it's really, really good. This whole sigil stuff is excellent. Where in the series of sigils that you do, that you have part of a shoal, you do a thing called a robofish, which is a sigil for a desire that is definitely going to happen. With the kind of idea that that kickstarts the rest and because it kind of looks and goes, oh, well, if that works, then all of these have to work, all of these have to manifest. 
So you deliberately pick one that it, you're definitely going to do and make it, you know, like I'm going to make coffee, I'm going to drink coffee, I'm going to drive my car, I'm going to meet my friend, I'm going to have pasta for dinner. Or something that you definitely are going to do that then kickstarts the rest of the uh, show. And I try to do something that's kind of related to the overall theme of whatever my show is, but not always, but it seems to work better, even if that's just in my head, if I do that. But I tend to do them really, really quickly. Where so I'll have my statements of intent, get them into sigils, drawn, bang, on the card or whatever I'm doing. So that by the end of the show, I'm not 100% sure of which actual sigil is for what intention. I still have a kind of an idea of what the overall thing was, because I like to know when my magic has worked. And I think to have a kind of a clarity around what your kind of outcome looks like is important, at least for me, because then I know, well, this worked. It's not kind of a hazy, did it, didn't it work? Like if you did a sigil for more money and then you find 10 cent and you go, well, that's more money. Is that the sigil, you know, complete? Is that the, the whole thing? So the more kind of uh, thought you spend thinking about how will I know when this has worked, I think the more likely it is to get closer to your actual desired outcome than just some sort of vague 10 cent for more money outcome. So I'm not too concerned about completely forgetting at all about uh, what the sigils are for. But as I say, I do have them where the show itself that the individual sigils I may be hazy about. Not always too. Sometimes you just, you can't, you know, you can't unsee a sigil and you know exactly what it's about. So once I then activate them, um, I, you know, I try as best as possible in that reality transurfing thing of reduce the importance on it. It's kind of like Austin Osman Sparse thing of need not matter, need not be. You know, you just kind of allow the, you know, the, the, don't get compulsive with it or don't get, you know, it's like don't watch the kettle when it's trying to boil because it'll never boil. And you let that whole thing of you'll start talking yourself out of it. All of these things. If you reduce the importance so that it's not that big of a deal, you tend not to think too much about it. And it seems to allow it to manifest a bit more. In a reality transfer from a uh, frame of things, it would be because the balance and forces don't, also don't see it as a big deal. So don't try to have a snapback about you trying to change the universe. So I would suggest when it comes to lust result of, or, you know, fire and forget and all of these things, don't obsess too much. Just try your best not to think about it in the same way you shouldn't over think about anything you're trying to do. Any, you know, if I overthought a drawing, I'm definitely going to ruin it. Or if, I, if you overthink guitar solo when you're in the middle of it, you're definitely going to forget it or you're going to make something, uh, you know, some sort of mistake or some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of error when you're over analysing it or overthinking it. You know, if you're sitting there and you're... Uh, you know, you're playing a guitar solo, whatever it is, playing a chord, and you're going, oh, what's next, what's next, what's next? You're missing the point of playing music, and it just becomes a technical thing that you probably are going to fuck up. But if you're just going to feel it, and you just go with it and flow, and don't worry too much about it, and just know that the next chord is going to come, or it's not, and that's just the way it is, there's a better flow to it, and everything seems to work better. So if it is a case that you've done a sigil, and then you just can't get it out of your head, don't panic, don't worry about it. Try, you know, try not to do it, but, you know, if it does happen, it's okay, you don't have to feel that it's not going to happen or it's, you know, you've somehow ruined it or whatever. Just relax, reduce the importance again. Just think it doesn't really matter too much. It'll work out or it won't and then something else will happen. And just try to get yourself in the frame of mind that it's not that big of a deal. And that has stood me well. Now, of course, not every sigil has worked. And not every magic I want has worked out the way I wanted it exactly or even worked at all. But um, so there's no guarantees in magic. So even with all of these kind of tips and tricks, but if you have some tips or tricks for me on how you get around the whole idea of lust or result or reducing the importance or whatever it is that you kind of look at it 
what you feel you have to do after you've said your intention out into the world, please let me know and uh, leave it in the comments below or on the social media or any of these places where I am. So, good people of the internet, until our next adventure, may all of your sigils be totally forgotten as soon as you make them until they become manifest and then you remember them in the totality. And may our best, best uh, and may our best days be ahead. Be well. And hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And today, I'm going to talk about this book, Map. Um. I talked about a bit about it in the pan video I did a week or so ago. But, uh, I just want to talk a bit more about it. But first, an update on my eyes. I managed to get through to another optician this morning and they are not allowed to do any eye tests for at least another week. And what, from my description of what's going on, it doesn't come across as an emergency. But I wanted to know what exactly would be classed as an emergency for an optician. Because I assume if there was an actual eye emergency, you'd go to the hospital. Like we have an eye uh, A&E in Dublin in the Matter Hospital, which would go to if there are any kind of eye injuries. It's just interesting. So if there's opticians out there, can you tell me what an actual emergency would be considered in optician land? But the guy I was talking to, he's very friendly, very helpful. He reckons from the description, it's just like some sort of form of dry eye. Although I still suspect that there is some sort of deterioration on my eyesight. And um, being that I'm 42 and I read a lot and I sit in front of a computer all day and uh, you know, haven't had regular eye checks. The last time I got my eyes done, my eyes test was about 10 years ago when I was getting my license for driving. So that's it. I have at least another week before I can get my eyes tested, possibly more, all depending on what the government planned to do with the, the lockdown and how they're going to open things up. Although he did say if I'm uh, consistent, <laughs> if I still have the, uh, things going on with I still the same kind of what's the word the same condition the same symptoms well done Tommy's brain and um, by next week that he might be able to bump me up into some sort of different category because right now I'm in the routine category anyway I thought that might be a good way being that I'm unable to avail of kind of modern medicine that uh, I should look to the woo and see what is available for me in that I'm being responsible enough that I've talked to two opticians and a doctor about it first. So I first got the, you know, like I've went to the proper kind of channels that you should go to, you know, proper medical people who uh, studied this and uh, have, you know, the training and uh, have the qualifications. But I can't get to them for a while. So we're in a situation where woo might be available to us as a kind of alternative or a complementary medicine. And when I was talking about Pan, I talked about the very first time that I kind of came across him in any sort of way. I won at least one of the first ones in this book called Map, which is written by a woman called Michelle Small Wright, who for years I thought was Michaela because of the way it's spelt M A C H A E L L E. But it turns out, no, it's Michelle. And um, she's Australian. And I think from what I can gather, was they were doing some sort of cool new farming systems where they were trying to work in harmony with the nature spirits or some sort of nature-based um, uh, entities. And uh, it's kind of, I suppose, it reminds me a bit of uh, Rudolf Steiner who had all that kind of farm and stuff going on as well as part of his spirituality. And uh, he's a very interesting guy that you should check out. If you haven't, there's a great documentary that is cheekily, I think, available on YouTube called The Challenge of Rudolf Steiner. 
It's two part, it's quite long, very interesting. And it talks about all this kind of insane, it would seem, it would appear ostensibly his kind of ideas around farming. And then when you know, put it in practice, it works really, really well. Anyway, so I think there's something equivalent going on in this place called Perlandra in Australia, which they were growing certain crops, I don't know, bananas in the desert, whatever it was that, that you know, you shouldn't be able to do. Now, the whole thing is based around this very, very new age kind of idea of the White Brotherhood. Now, before you go running away, screaming, Tommy has turned into a right-wing racist <laughs> or white, you know, supremacist. Now, it's, it's an older kind of, well, it's a different idea than the kind of white supremacist brotherhood type thing. It's the idea of that there is a white brotherhood and a black brotherhood in that you have the good guys, spiritually, who are looking after the planet and trying to evolve humanity. Uh, you know, into a good way, and you have the black guys who are, you know, like the black magicians of the spiritual kind of things who are trying to work against us. So you have the, like the good and the bad, the God and the angels and the demons, that kind of, you know, delineation between these type of things. Crowley talks a bit about them in the whole idea of the secret chiefs, which is he felt he was part of the secret chiefs, had been selected by the secret chiefs, or was some way chosen one of the secret chiefs to further the work of goodness and evolution spiritually on the planet and so you can get into all different kind of conspiracy rabbit holes going into this kind of white the white lodge and the black lodge and all of this kind of stuff i find if anything else is kind of a, a helpful metaphor for you know that there's goodness in the world and there's darkness in the world that there's people under working for you know humanity and there's people working against it so even on a very kind of mundane level it's a helpful met metaphor whereas if there is actual entities who knows? I mean, it's kind of one of the things I feel about that whole notion, whether I agree with it in the, in the way it's presented in New Age and stuff, and that's this kind of, you know, ascended masters in Tibet who are secretly, you know, guiding the world, or, and then you have 12 angry men in another room who are seeking to try and destroy the world or whatever. Um, I do feel that there's probably greater intelligences in the universe than human intelligences. So, I do uh, understand that there is probably a, a greater kind of um, sense of that they have, if there was greater intelligence then they would have a greater sense of what's going on or see things from a better higher perspective a more complete perspective and all that and so I don't uh, completely disagree or just you know just kind of debunk the idea of some sort of guiding intelligence possibly um, not to say that I believe it either but it's just I, I definitely wouldn't um, dismiss it. Um, so in the White Brotherhood of this, it's, that's the element of it. And it's the idea that they have a kind of um, a medical assistant program and that you have an individual group of entities who work with you on your medical type, physical, emotional, mental well-being, which is interesting. It's kind of very similar to the whole guardian angel type thing, only in a, on a more kind of hospital medical drama <laughs> type situation. So the first thing you do if you want to work with your medical assistant program is you have to find out who they are. So um, the way it's done through this book is that you uh, do a thing called a coning, which seems to be some just you kind of, you know, evoke or you kind of make a connection to, uh, first of all, the overlighting diva of healing, which is a nature spirit, which is the kind of spirit that's in charge of overall healing, as the name would suggest. And then pan. The pan in this kind of situation is, or this, this thing is, the nature spirit that is going to connect you with the higher higher kind of realms through i suppose i suppose that the fact that he's a god but he's also nature spirit so that he has the you know the one foot 
in both worlds. So that connecting with nature, connecting as you as a beast of nature, as you as a, you know, a principle of nature, not principle, as a, you know, something that's come out of nature, that is nature, that is made of nature, to then try and use the God of that to connect you then with the, the kind of spiritual end of it. And then when you get to the, the, the uh, past pan on to the next bit, you connect with the great white Buddhahood. And then you ask for your individual kind of entities or your team to start working on you. And the way it kind of works is that you just, you know, you do it in a meditative practice. You're not meant to do it uh, like in bed at night if you sleep with someone else because it's meant to be a kind of a separate energetic, you know, kind of location that it can undisturbed by other people's energy. Believe that if you will. Um, and then you just talk to them like you would talk to the doctor. And I was kind of thinking about this and I suppose my whole kind of approach to the 40 servants was that I always just talk to them like they're in the room as if they're someone else. And it probably came from this originally because I would have done some of this map stuff back in the day. I came across it was 26, 27 when I was in college and my kinesiology teacher talked about the book and I bought it off him. So this whole idea of you just go, well, I have a pain in my arm, you know, um, it's, a, it's a dull pain, it's an ache pain, it's more bone than it is muscle, whatever it is, whatever it is that things wrong to you, the same way you would explain it to the doctor. And then they're going to do a scan on you and then they're going to send you healing. And as you go through the healing session, it's, you know, it's kind of similar to a Reiki thing or any of those kind of energy healing things. You would describe any kind of effects that are happening in your body, giving them feedback on what uh, is going on. And then you become all better after a number of sessions or whatever it is. So that's kind of the, the principle of it. But of course, there's like a whole, you know, it's not a tin book. So it's, it's, there's a lot more into it. Not really an awful lot more kind of technique or anything, but there's not more of the ideas around it. Firmly based in the New Age, flower essences, uh, there's definitely some homeopathy type stuff going on in it too because they do an awful lot of these flower essences themselves. But uh, I remember when I did it first and I was firmly entrenched in the whole Reiki thing, I was really into Reiki at the time and energy healing and I was, I was saying I was doing holistic health studies at college, so I was doing aerobotherapy, reflexology, all of these things, so I was in that kind of a mode. And I do remember the very first time and doing that scan that um, it felt, I felt like I was being scanned, you know. But, uh, and I did a couple of things, a couple of sessions after it. But what I decided I would do, being that I've mentioned it in the pan video and a couple of people have then mentioned it to me since about what, what is that? That uh, I have a week until I can get my actual eyes tested and looked at properly, oh, looked at and checked properly, <laughs> that I would uh, do a week of uh, this and just, you know, again, none of these things, scientific studies, these are all kind of, you know, anecdotally based, just kind of possibly just placebo, but let, you know, why not? So I'll do a video in another week where I've done seven sessions of contacting my team and ask for healing on my eyes. And uh, I suppose general healing what else and see if anything happens. I would be surprised if nothing happened other than I get a really nice kind of relaxing half an hour, 40 minutes, uh, which I'm totally fine with, but uh, something to do and something to uh, maybe get on board with. The book is on Amazon. You can get it as an ebook on the website. Um, there is some audio and a DVD. I got the audio because I want to listen to it just to see if it gives me any more ideas or gives me more of an insight. Very aware. It's very, very woo-woo, very fluffy, very, very new age. And, uh, you know, I'm taking it as a paradigm shift. It's just exploring it. I'm going to go full into it as if it's real and see what it can offer me. Um, so yeah, let's see what happens. So if you have any experience with MAP, let me know uh, how you get on and what you think of it. And um, what's your idea is it a whole white brotherhood, black blood brotherhood thing? <laughs> you can tell from my uh, 
my, I suppose my uh, body language that I'm not completely gone on it. But again, not dismissing it. It could be very, very true. Seems like more more of a sci-fi novel than anything. But, you know, it's again, just a way of looking at things. Or uh, any kind of energy thing, self, uh, like uh, self-healing or Reiki or any of these kind of experiences that you've done. Not necessarily going to Reiki or going to bioenergetics. So it's a self-healing process if you've any kind of feelings around that. Now, of course, all of this is all dependent on actually going to doctors and... Uh, opticians and all of this kind of stuff complimentary complimentary not um you know not the, the first thing you should do and the only thing you should do so give people of the internet uh, may you never need to be healed may your life be perfect and your physical body forever be immortal and in full health and youthful and full of vitality but if not may you have a good time working out how to solve it and may all of your ailments be revealed revealed relieved may your best days be ahead and be well. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And hello, good people of the interest. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. And at this episode, I'm going to do um, some readings, some one-card readings uh, given to me, the questions were given to me by the patrons over on patreon.com. So I hope you're all well. Trying a new uh, angle. <laughs> See if it's uh, any more interesting than the other ones. And I'm sitting down for change. Usually I stand up when I'm doing these videos. But uh, I thought I'd sit down. But uh, this chair is quite noisy. As you can tell from the Tasta podcasts. Anytime I move, you can hear a squeak. So, just start by shuffling these cards and two commerce. So, let us see. The Moon and the Hilo. They're nice cards to get. So, Anonymous asks, What would help my magical development the most right now? And it is... The Devil. So, O Diablo, as it is in the Portuguese. So the thing that's going to help your magical development right now is have a look at uh, the things that are your limiting beliefs, the stuff within you. It's essentially the answer is shadow work. Your kind of stuff that's within you that you're either not acknowledging, that you are not working on, that in some way has been a belief that you've got from someone else. Some way you, yourself, personally, are holding yourself back rather than it being external situations or people or circumstances that is the thing that's holding you back. So it's not a lack of, uh, of uh, information being available. It's that you aren't utilising the information, for example. Thing with shadow work though is that it, it's you know it's hard to do. No one really wants to do it because you have to look at yourself and realize that you're not the perfect being that you know you kind of hope you are. And there's also then the opposite kind of that is that you don't you know you, you it's not to beat yourself up about it either. It's not to kind of demand that you're a terrible person and that you um, need to be you know I don't know chastised or beaten down. Like don't be guilty about it either. It's like kind of a, a you know a, that kind of middle ground kind of thing. So have a look around and see what kind of limited beliefs or things are holding you back. Have you some kind of um, thoughts in the background that you don't deserve magical success, that you don't deserve success in general? Are you holding yourself back through laziness or not putting the work in? Or uh, are you stopping believing in these old things because there's voices at the back of your mind that maybe your mother, your father, your uncle, your sister, your brother, your auntie Matilda, uh, you know, that they didn't believe in it or they wouldn't like it or to have some sort of thing or whatever it is. So... Have a look at that which is around you. 
sorry, have a look at that within you that you may be projecting and that you need to work on and some of your kind of um, assholic tendencies that you could uh, try to work on and figure out. Uh, so, yeah. Another anonymous one. What can be done to repair the relationship between me and my ex? There's a wee presupposition in that, which uh, I feel is possibly unfair. Not unfair, but probably not a good way to state the question. In that you're kind of, um, have decided already that there is a way to do it, which may not be the case, as we all know in relationships, it just mightn't be fixable. And the card jumped out at me, so I'm going to uh, go with that. The media. So, what needs to be done to repair the relationship. You need to work on your, your uh, public relations on how people see you. And I suppose in the sense of it being your, the relationship, it's more than just how your ex sees you. I it, well, well, it could point just directly to how your ex sees you, but I say it could be a wider kind of gamut than that. So you have to work on how you're seen by others, the things that possibly... Uh, so, I mean, it's a kind of an implication as well with the media that it's not just that you have to work on these things and become a better person or the thing that you have to be, uh, it's that you just have to be seen to be a better person or that you have to be acknowledged is probably the best thing as, as the work you have done. So say it is a case, and I don't know your situation, obviously that uh, your ex left you or there's trouble in a relationship because you were very possessive or jealous or whatever it is. And you go, well, that's not fair. I'm not like that anymore. And there's an, an, not an acceptance of that by the ex. Then you'll have to work in some way of showing the changes that you have made or that the um, you know you're a different person or whatever and have it seen possibly it could be uh, alluding then to that maybe some of it is to do with the fact that if the people around your ex don't like you and you have to get on with them better so, so you know it could be an influence i don't again don't know your situation but say his mother or her mother doesn't like you so you have to we might have to get into better her better books in order for the greater relationship to work and that it be it's more Going by this card immediately, it would be seeing that you were probably seen in some sort of bad light or you need to work on um, how you were seen by the people and your ex. People surrounding your ex and your ex. So, hope that helps. With my caveat that it mightn't be fixable because some, sometimes I have eye issues with uh, exes and uh, readings for about exes and magic and all that, as you may know from uh, previous podcasts and stuff. So, Sue... What will the remainder of 2020 hold for me? This is a good question, isn't it? What will it hold for any of us? It seems month by month as if it's uh, levelling up. I hear we have uh, death hornets coming for us next. So anyway, what's next for Sue? The Explorer. Oh, that's a very, very good one to get for uh, the future of the rest of the year. So going into new territory, finding out new things. And going into areas that you wouldn't normally have been before, expansion um, and expanding your horizons and uh, you know, uncharted territory. So something good, like, I mean, it's, it's the explorers, it's seen as a good way. It's not, you know, it's like expansion. It's not kind of um, like a road opening in the sense that you need new opportunities. It's going in a completely different kind of uh, uh more of what you know going out there it's like man going out into the space as the, as the kind of card implies and you know the whole star trek thing of going out and exploring the galaxy and having adventures and new life and all that it's you know all new uncharted happy um adventures so enjoy that that sounds like great fun dean 
how should I approach my next step in magic with a particular focus in Oneiromancy, which I don't know what that is. Um, o n e i r o mancy. I probably should know what it is, but I don't. And it goes uh, behind just using sigil. So how should I approach my next step in magic? Okay. And there's the card that wants to be picked. The master. So your next step in magic is to. Um, okay. It's to put yourself at the center of the universe. Is to see yourself as the completed being, as the um, the master of whatever it is that you're trying to do, in a sense to have already to know that at some point in the future, you've already completed it, and to kind of attack this situation from that kind of point of view. But it's also about working on yourself as a person, um, to fulfil your possibility, your potentiality, and all this. That you've great potentiality in it, and to kind of live up to that, and to put the work in, and you know, it's like part of the like. Don't like the word, but it, it's a it's a good kind of thing about the, the ascension towards whatever it is that you're ultimately to be, um, and I would also suggest that the master that that it's a, this next stage for you is like the right stage. You know what? Like you could say that even taking the wrong the wrong way is the right way given certain circumstances. But this is the right thing to be doing. This is the right next stage. This is leading to your perfected being. So uh, yeah. That's all good for you, and uh, good luck with that. And tell me what that Aurea Alla Romancy is. I probably don't when you say it, but right now I don't. Rory, what do I need to do for my highest good right now? Okay. The conductor. So you need to take control of your own life. You need to um, decide what it is you want and then make it happen rather than allow circumstance of people or whatever it is that's going on around you to dictate what your life is. So it's you taking the reins. It's you weaving your own music. It's you're in charge of the orchestra, which is life. And you're making your own music uh, or directing your own music or whatever it is. So you have to decide exact question. Your highest goods. Your highest good is what you decide is your highest good. And uh, go with it with all your might and all your, your ability and, uh, you know, take control of your life rather than allowing life to come to you. You have to take it. So, Dylan, where can I find a mentor or a group that, help me, that can help me expand uh, my practice? I'm not a group person, I have to say. Any kind of orders I joined or any kind of groups I joined. Uh, didn't really work for me. I left a lot to be uh, desired. That's not true for everyone. Some people have great kind of experiences with it. So, the balancer. So, let me see, in relation to your question, where will you find it? You will find a group within balance, I suppose. It's the, uh, that whole idea that um, if you're doing group work and solo work and stuff like that, that until you get to the group, until it arrives on the scene that you still have to continue doing what you're doing and then it'll try to be more of a balance rather than just kind of uh, thinking or needing that you need this group in order to get to where you want to be. That still has to be a balance between all of these things. It doesn't feel fully satisfactory though um, as an answer. I'll take one more card. The carnal. And the carnal would suggest you should join the OTO I suppose. Uh, 
but maybe not. Um, something to do around feeling better about yourself physically and maybe getting out there. That is, is there some, I'm, I'm not sure, like is there some kind of thing holding you back um, that's stopping you because of a confidence issue? or um, something around that kind of vein, getting a balance in between those two things. Very hazy in these, I don't really know. Um, possibly the answer could be right now there isn't, and you should just work on these other things, getting your life in balance and becoming more uh, confident as a person, particularly around your, your appearance or your health or your physicality. Sorry, can't be more help than that. So Abraxas, what should I be focused on most right now? Always a good question, Abraxas. Here we go. The messenger. So you'd be focusing on receiving that message or getting that message or getting this information. Something has been trying, you know, that whole thing of something is trying to tell you something or there's some sort of information available to you now that you just have to listen to and accept. And uh, there's all, kind of sometimes I always feel that with the message, there's a, a, a kind of a, a notion of unacceptance by the listener. But it mightn't be the case. It might just be that you're just not able to hear it for whatever reason or you have to just haven't got round to it. It's like that book on the shelf. They go, oh, I know I'm going to love that. Just must make some time for it. So it's not kind of that you're avoiding it or you're, you know, it's just you're busy with other stuff. It's the whole John Lennon thing. It's life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And... Uh, Yes, just get round to something or the, and then allow that information or there's some kind of communication that you have to have a, a, bit, a greater allowance around or acceptance of or getting time for. You possibly will know what that is. And if you don't, you know, just allow it to, <laughs> to appeal. So, George, I like... Um, right, one question. What do I need for my highest good right now? Again, it is a... <laughs> A good question. So I'd ask it for George to. So what does George need to do? What do I need for my highest good? So what do you need right now for your highest good? Here we go. The librarian. There's an interesting thing to because it came up in my reading I did for myself uh, recently, and someone I can't remember. I'm, I should always remember these names. Pointed out to me that the library not only is has is access to information, but it also is this kind of idea that they catalog and sort out information. Which is something I never really thought about the librarian, which is you know it seems completely that's right and on the on the, on the money, that it's not just having this kind of load of knowledge available. There's all this information, but there's a kind of a, an order that's been put onto it. So it's kind of sorting things out. So we can have all of this kind of magic thought and all of these books and we can have all these ideas or whatever it is, art talk or business, whatever, is I assume it's magic possibly in this, in this situation. But then put some sort of order to it, some sort of way of, of uh, keeping it all together to you know, correlate it all together into one kind, of, not necessarily into one thing, but so that index it uh, or um, sort it all out. So it's not just this whole disparate amount of information that's just all over the place to kind of bring it together to make it a bit more coherent. So, George, do you have a number of different things that are, you know, knowledge just thrown all around that you could possibly try to bring together or in some way sort out or, um, you know, bring a bit of order to rather than it being kind of general chaos of information, which, you know, we're all likely to have given the kind of uh, nature of, you know, the kind of occult study or magic study or whatever. But uh, so have a look at that. Is that something you can work on? Because it feels, feels what it could be. Or is there some, some information you're missing that you need 
Is there some sort of study you could be doing? Or is there something, something to do with information gathering and sorting? And finally, Sephirian. Pronounce his name by pronouncing it wrongly. What should I be aware of that is hidden from me? This again has a presupposition that there is something hidden from you. Um, which I assume <laughs> there's something hidden from all of us. But uh, might be. Maybe you know all things. Maybe all things are very clear to you. Or very open. Maybe you have a, a life that is just completely lacking in shadows. I would doubt it. And if you do, tell us your secrets. Oh, here we go. The Librarian is coming out for you again, which is interesting, but I want to do another card. Which would suggest information is hidden from you. That there's some form of knowledge acquisition that you're either not looking at for whatever reason or as yet isn't. Like it's that if you, again, take an example, there's a book on the shelf that you have and you go, oh, that's interesting, but it's just not resonating with you, or you believe it's not resonating with you, that you haven't looked at it, go, ah, I think I know what that is, or that wouldn't be for me, and that is for you. So it's probably some sort of book or idea that you're familiar with, but have uh, disowned, which would, not disowned, but have kind of neglected. But again, that would come up more, I suppose, but if you got something like the messenger. So we'll take another card and see what comes up. So the gatekeeper. Um, that's interesting, because there are two cards I got in my last reading too, so um, have a look at my last reading and uh, see, I was just checking to make sure that the next card wasn't the same, uh, have a look at my and see if any of that kind of resonance, resonates with you, that this idea that some sort of informational thing is key to unlocking the, you know, the next stage or something that I was talking about in my last thing. The next card, incidentally, if you want to know, is to deplete it. And that'll be up to you whether or not that is uh, relevant to you. And um, that information gatekeeping leading to some sort of burnout might be a thing. Or if it's not related to you, just the first thing of this idea that something is hidden, some sort of information, and once you know it, it'll open something up for you. With a small kind of... Um, acknowledgement that the may or may not, depending on what way you want to take it, have some sort of uh, depletion element. Of course, depletion is not always a negative thing. It's just the card kind of has that kind of stark, bleak kind of look. Depletion of depression would be a wonderful thing, or depletion of debt would be a wonderful thing, or depletion of sickness would be a wonderful thing. So, um, taking three cards, it would say that some sort of information is hidden from you that you must look at. The, when you find out what that is, it'll be the key to something ending or reducing massively or becoming not as big a factor as it was in your life. So, good people of the internet, I hope they were interesting for you. And we'll try and do some more of these, um, maybe once every fortnight or something like that. Maybe, maybe more, we'll see. It'll probably be done through Patreon because uh, I like to reward the patrons because they're wonderful people who send me money for just, you know, the kindness and goodness of their hearts. But uh, I also sometimes do them through Discord and through the 47's Facebook group, so you should check them out. And apart from even just the whole thing of doing readings for people out there, they're lovely groups and full of really nice people. And I think you would have a good time, particularly the Discord one. If you're, you know, you're not too gone on 47's, you might want to join a 47's actual Facebook group because that's, you know, 47s, but the Discord is more just magic, art, um, creativity kind of base, so it's a bit more open if you have a more general interest than just the 47s. So, good people of the internet, 
until our next adventure. May your best days be ahead and uh, be well. Noisy chill. Yeah.